We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in. But why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parham. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Parham, Neil McCready, Clark Ford Studio here with you today. Jeffrey Wright will join us momentarily, as he does every Thursday on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline. We'll talk some uh, college football, good bit of college football. A few other topics as well here coming up on today's show. A show brought to you every day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Lunch specials, ribs, you know the deal by now. Stop in on your way into town. Let them uh, hook you up with ribs, lunch specials, and much more. And if you're in the Brookhaven and Clinton areas, they can uh, help you out with some donuts. Every single morning, homemade donuts at those two locations. It's going to be statewide here soon, but right now, Brookhaven and Clinton for a wide variety of homemade donuts every single morning. And again, Neil coming to you from the Clark Ford studio. Indeed, Clark Ford in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He will send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop it around or do what I've done. What I recommend that you do, and that is hop into a Clark Ford today. It's great products, great service. Corey and the people at Clark Ford want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when you make the call. 662-257-1900. Jeffrey Wright, all other guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive or you're wanting to put your career in your own hands, if you're an experienced entrepreneur looking to diversify, Andy Ludicky can help. He's a longtime Rivals board member a diehard college football fan and a franchise veteran. He owns multiple franchises and businesses and uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy, put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You've got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at myperfectfranchise.net or call Andy anytime at 404-973-9901. We'll tell you that it's uh, kind of fireworks season with the 4th of July early next week. If you are in North Mississippi and you're looking for fireworks, check out Crazy Rob's air-conditioned superstores with the best fireworks selection in North Mississippi. Crazy Rob's has locations in Oxford at 863 Highway 6 West, in Batesville at 650 Highway 6, and in Cenotobia at the intersection of I-55 and Highway 4. 
pass those hot tents right on by because Crazy Rob's has the best prices and all the really big stuff. Crazy Rob's stores are three to five times larger than the tents and 10 times the selection of the tents. Prices are much less than the tents. Just as importantly, the fireworks are not in the elements, which guarantees optimal performance. Crazy Rob's has TV scanners so you can see what items do before you buy them so you know exactly what the firework does. It's worth driving a few more minutes just to see what they have to offer. The owners are all Ole Miss grads as well. So make the drive and become a backyard hero at Crazy Rob's Fireworks. If they don't have it, it ain't legal. Jeffrey Wright now joining as he does every Thursday on the My Perfect Franchise Hotline. Jeffrey, good morning to uh, you. A little bit of a dead week. You know, I have to, I, I was checking Facebook. I don't remember the date exactly. Happy anniversary week to you. And you're pretty smart here because you can hand over TV one. You can be incredibly nice about all the entertainment packages because there's not anything to watch this week. It's pretty, uh, pr- pretty, pretty brilliant there, young man. Yeah, it's all about understanding the calendar and making the calendar work for you. You know, what are, what are we in danger of missing right now? <laughs> NHL draft song. Go ahead, hon. All the whatever you want to watch, you'd like to check out. All good. Have at it. It also tells you how thin it was. I did have the NHL draft on a side TV. Uh, You know what I mean? Like, what's also begs the question what's the point of watching a draft if you can't hear it? So, but that shows you that shows you how desperate we are for anything. I, I, the only thing I noticed was we, we like got through, we started the bear. We started the bear, I guess, last week. We've got two episodes left. And the only reason why we still have two episodes left is because, like, we've had to intentionally stop. Like, we have to sit there and go, like, we know we have something we like here. Let's not let's not just finish it all in, like, 48 hours. What is the bear? The bear is the show about the Chicago, uh, the Italian beef restaurant. It's like a, a it's like a family uh, family restaurant, and then uh, it's kind of like the chaos of like running a restaurant and and then trying to change it into something else. Very good. It's very <laughs> successful shelf, like tries to run the family business, basically. Correct. Is that on Netflix or what? Hulu. It's on Hulu. 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 Oh, gotcha. Yeah, okay. he's like a Michelin star chef that returns home to run the, like his brother dies. You know, I'm not spoiling it. You learned this in the first episode. His brother dies and leaves him this uh, Italian beef shop, and he's got to run it. And then it's kind of we're on season two, so it's it's transitioning. You watch so much sports. Is is binging and shows like this? Is that very seasonal for summer for you, or do you guys find time for that throughout the calendar year? In general, yes. It's summer's like when I get caught up on everything. So, I mean, there will like during the during the fall if there's like a big show that we both want to watch like yeah i'll move sunday night football maybe over to the side and like we'll watch it kind of depends um I'm trying to remember, i think there was a maybe how that's what we did with house of the dragon i think we watched house of the dragon we'd watch it live and then you know you'd, you'd always end okay. up seeing the second half of sunday night football but in general let's see what else we watch righteous gemstones we both love that one that's going right now that's about the only thing we watch live. I mean, how many shows are actually watched live now? Oh, hardly any at all. I mean, even shows that you I technically could watch live, I don't. I mean, it's not like because I was, you know, I, I was obsessed with Succession, but I wasn't yeah. making sure I was in front of 
HBO Max or HBO, as soon as it popped on at eight o'clock on those nights, I just catch it the next day. It's all cool. I wasn't worried about the Twitter experience of watching it live. And I watch no network television at all, really. Well, I mean, I think it's the other part. Is there network TV right now Like with the writer's strike? I mean, I noticed last night. I mean, get ready for a bunch of reality TV. I mean, they're going to put the challenge on CBS. Last night, I got to tell you, we had the prices right at night. We had family night and then grocery store employees, electric stuff. (laughs) I got to tell you. Has anyone on the planet maximized his ability like Drew Carey? Oh. Because like he's affable, but like, I'm not sure. Is he funny? Like he seems to surround himself with very funny people, which I think is, you know, I, I suppose that's a skill, but like, I don't know. I've never like watched his actual stand up from like the nineties or the early two thousands. I have no idea if he's actually like super funny, but the dude's got like 150 million in the bank. That's no, a good he's, point. He's he's a guy that's not overly you're not ever just compelled by him in some crazy way. And he's hit the trifecta of sitcom that's self-titled, yep, game show, and then whose line is it anyway, where he was absolutely the least entertaining person of the group. Correct. Wow. I, I'm telling you, man, like I, I think he might be like the example of the guy that has done and gotten the most out of whatever he's got. You know, he was in the Marines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he got kicked out of like Kent State three different times. And so, and his dad died when he was young. So, I mean, that is kind of like the difference of like a, a different time where it's like, yep, you got kicked out of school. You don't really have any prospects. What are you going to do? I'm like, all right, buddy, go enlist. Yeah. You, you alluded to TV too a second ago. People don't realize that you do legitimately keep multiple TVs on most of the time. All the time. My main that's, not a, that's not a stick. No, if my main TV's on, the other two are on as well. To something. Correct. Sometimes maybe it's the you know the sports mix channel on direct TV to keep it on. I mean, yeah. The other the I don't I can't remember a time where only TV one is on. No. I don't even if, we're watching, our- even if we're watching a movie, the other ones are on. I don't think I turned a TV on yesterday. The whole day. I know it wasn't on last night. I'm so sorry to hear that. I know it's weird. I mean, I <laughs> the stuff I'm interested in is like declines rapidly. And I get, I used to like, I would flip around. I was one of those people at night that would flip around and watch CNN and watch Fox News and sort of go, well, the truth's somewhere in the middle. And I've kind of found alternatives to that. I don't watch any of that stuff anymore. The Cubs are horrific. I don't watch them. I don't know. It's like there's just not much to there's not much to watch. I keep telling myself I'm going to turn I'm going to turn my attention to football, but I keep kind of punting that for another week. You know what I mean? Well, have you all noticed and maybe not? um, NFL Network's now finally doing the obvious where it's like they I feel like they used to be so hesitant just to show old games. And now NFL Network, like I feel like 70 percent of their content right now is showing old games. And it's like, why have. Why did it take till 2023 to do this? This is this should have been the biggest freaking layup of all time. You have like Agreed. one of the most desired inventories of old games. Like, why are you not just showing this? 100% agree. I, I've never understood 
why in our industry, and we all do it or have done it, I think Chase and I have gotten a lot better about it. The, hey, let's preview a season for four months. And then by the time the actual camp begins, like in early August, you have nothing to preview. And August, instead of having some like legitimate content, is flat. Well, also, don't you think that probably coincides with, I don't know, like, how do you preview seasons anymore? Does any, like, I don't, I don't know what a team is anymore. Like, you, no, no, absolutely. There's, there's, there's multiple teams in the SEC, including the one that we cover, that I don't know how these people, and I, I know they're doing it for clicks and they're doing it because it works and it gets attention, but I don't know how you have these emphatic opinions about what, Ole Miss is going to be. How the hell could you possibly know? I mean, you look around like like there's multiple teams. Hey, how can you really have a firm, solid opinion about even Alabama, for example? You don't know what their offense is going to look like. They they we don't, don't have, know who their quarterback is. Right. You don't know who the quarterback's going to be. And if it's the kid from Notre Dame, he was just okay there. I mean, he's not going to come to Alabama and just be a world beater, I guess Joe Burrow might beg to differ, but that was a different thing. Joe Burrow got hurt. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's all over the, like, how can you look at Mississippi State and go, okay, well, they're switching from what Leach did to a new scheme, whole new app. Here's what they're going to be. I, I don't know how you can do that, and yet everyone does it, and they don't even couch it with, you know, this team could be this or this team could be that. It's just these firm decisions based on the past, and the the year-to-year turnover now, with the exception of a handful of programs, is so dramatic that I, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you I don't know how you really have like real in in-depth previews of a of a program at all. With well, you're not you're go ahead. I mean, the only thing you can do from a journalism standpoint, maybe, is you get on a beat writer who's good and fairly unbiased if that if that exists and and get them to go over hey what are the what are your storylines that you're watching when school x starts camp in august you might at least then get some sense of what a program might be on the precipice of doing or not doing yeah that's where i was going was you're not previewing the team you're previewing the questions the only way to do it correctly is hey what are the questions what is going to decide this thing one way or the other and then how does that go it's not Hey, anything firm? It's just sort of, hey, what's what are the four or five things that are going to decide this thing one way or the other that you don't know yet because none of us know. So what's I think that? it's why I think it's why I love LSU so much going into the season. They don't have many questions. Well, and they, they have their quarterback, and they have their quarterback, and they, they they get Mason Smith back. They already had the best defensive player. Now they might have the two best defensive players. The quarterback's good. The backup quarterback's experienced, and he's pretty good. They've got a bunch of weapons. He always wins. He his second year teams are always really good. I mean, I'm kind of. I had Michael Bratton on. Michael Bratton's picking LSU to win the national title, and I heard people go, "That's a really hot take." And I'm like, I don't know. It's not really, not that well, hot. I started, of a take. I started thinking about it this way this week. I think for at least all of my professional life, and really, I think, I think for more. Most of my life, if the Alabama job was maxed out, it was better than the LSU job. 
it was just harder to max it out. But I do think Alabama was better. I think Alabama could have more success in the under the table era than the over the table era. Is it possible now if the LSU job is maxed out, it's a better job than the Alabama job? Because I'm leaning towards yes. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's not only possible, I think it's probable. I'm not going to say certain because Alabama has a way of it meaning so damn much that they figure it out. But I mean, let's be real. Alabama was masters at the under the table part of it. They were really, really good at that. And I don't mean that as a criticism. They just were really good at it. Now it's the over the table part. It's kind of, it, it, it feels like it's brought them down just a notch, not a bunch, just a notch. Again, I don't think well, it's just through. like the price. The price has gone up to the level where, I mean, Saban has said it multiple times. Like you have to pay attention when at least he says it. I can't invent more rich people. And in the state of Alabama, because it's so freaking weird, when you go legit, you have to worry about if you're a legit business, you need Auburn people to support your business as much as you need Alabama people to support your business. And LSU doesn't have to deal with that. And the growth in that state is Birmingham North with an emphasis on North. And the people that are moving to Huntsville in droves are not Alabamians. They're people from other parts of the country. And yeah, so, they're transplants. Yeah, and so they're not Roll Tide, War Eagle fighting each other in school. You know, they're, 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 their kids are wearing Ohio State shirts to the um, Alabama-Auburn Day at well, Huntsville Elementary. Well, it's the same principle, and one of the reasons why it's that you get so good when you can max out Georgia is that it's just Georgia Tech. That doesn't count. I mean, Georgia gets this. We don't talk about it as much because there is another Power 5 school there and ACC school there, but Georgia has the same principle as LSU and Arkansas as far as the rabid fan base that's huge and pretty much controls the state. I mean, Georgia Tech's nothing more than Vanderbilt. No, and, and Georgia Tech has really struggled with the same problems that we're seeing like Stanford struggle with, Northwestern struggle with. Like, it, it is still a prestigious academic school, and they've not been able to get the administration to regularly play ball with athletics. You hit on something when we were just talking pre-show, waiting to get started. Jeffrey was the American in basketball this year, Cincinnati gone, Houston gone, what kind of Memphis is running through. But my, my question is more broader than that because I, I didn't really think about it. I mean, we knew that this we're getting into this expansion year, this transition year, all this different stuff. Is basketball actually the sport we're going to notice the biggest difference in some of these conference realignment stuff? Because the Big 12 is still going to be very, very competitive with their add-ons. The Big 12 has been really good at basketball. Um, the Americans falling off the table. And I feel like you know, we keep talking about football, but basketball is getting to a spot where that makes that league really intriguing over there in the middle of the country. The problem that the league is going to face is that it's going to be tougher to... The problem that the American has had the last couple of years, at least in, in my opinion, it's a tougher league to win at a really high level in than the reputation is, yet the reputation is... You know, it went from, you know, a three, four bid league to basically a two bid league. But it was really hard. Like Houston dominated. But I mean, Houston just had another first rounder. I mean, Houston's had legit, like legit rosters. I mean, they've gone to a final four. They've, 
you know, they've basically gone to second weekends every single year. I still think that it's probably going to hold true because you look at like the geography of this conference. It's basically like who has a major international airport that teams can fly there relatively easily. Like that seems to be the only thing that like binds the league together. And so you're going to have like these massive, like long, tough road trips and you're not going to really get any credit for it because while yes, FAU, you know, FAU had the the big run last year and they got a lot of guys coming back. I don't know. Is anyone convinced that FAU has figured out basketball or does this just feel like, you know, a, 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 a peak run that they're having? Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, I think Andy and UAB is going to be pretty good, but at the same time, like, I don't know how long is Andy going to be there? And pretty good in CUSA and pretty good in the American are potentially two different things. Correct. It still could be NIT. Yeah. That's no, I mean, that's, that's the other thing. It's like, I don't know. The more and more you look at like the actual stuff that happened this week in terms of, you know, the NCAA sending the the threatening letters out and whatnot. I, I keep coming back to this question. We all are in agreement that Congress is not going to actually do anything, correct? One thousand percent. There's no there's no it's not a quote unquote winning issue. We can discuss the morality of only selecting as as a government, only selecting issues that are winning issues like we can discuss that but like let's deal with the practicality they're just not going to touch it okay does anyone think that all of a sudden the ncaa is going to start winning court cases i i don't i mean i, I okay so now i'm not a legal scholar here but I, I i just i i don't know that they can out litigate a bunch of attorneys from texas who have state law on their on their side Yes. And so, okay. So who's like, where, where do we go from here? Like if, if they, if they basically, if the organization itself can't make policy that is enforceable and you know, the government's not going to make enforceable policy. Well, what is the point of the NCAA? Is it just determining who is eligible? Because I would sit there and argue as soon as you get enough people upset that the NCAA is saying these kids aren't eligible, like they're not even really doing that anymore. So is it literally just going to be running the championships that are not football? Is that like their, is that their purpose? Like what, what is it? I think so. I think it's to do the, the waivers. And I think that's, you know, there's a, I, I think it was Goodman, somebody I, I, I'd like to give credit to whoever reported it. I don't recall, but it doesn't matter. Um, reported that, you know, most of the second transfer guys who applied for a waiver, most of those have been denied. I mean, I think they're going to flex their muscles where they can. And then they look, let's, let's be real here. The NCAA wants to keep its money. And so it wants to make sure that it's cash cow doesn't get touched. And that's the, it's the men's college basketball tournament and to some extent. Now the women's college basketball tournament, it's to keep those tournaments in, in their possession where they take all that money because it's a massive cash cow for them. The other part of it, I, I just don't know. I mean, like Tyler Siski and I do this show twice a week and Tyler has this, 
he's and he, and he believes this firmly and and I know because I've talked to some of the people he's talked to it, most coaches are for this the go back to the old transfer rules but if you go to media days pick a media days big 10 sec acc whatever and ask a coach publicly are you in favor of going back to the old transfer rules that coach is either going to say no or he's going to him and all because publicly that is just not a stance you can take it's it's not favorable the 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 social system today is 100 not 100 but it's 90 something percent pro athlete pro player pro student athlete whatever you want to call them and i just don't know that anybody's going to have the even though it makes sense even though it probably would settle things down even though it would make things normal and it would it would eliminate a lot of the the animus and the and the angst just don't know that they're going to do it I, well, I, I think the, one of I don't the, think they will. I think one of the complicating factors is I do think most reasonable sports fans are somewhat conflicted. And they're conflicted in this sense. From a moral position, they come to the understanding of all right, if these coaches can leave whenever they want and go take something better and prosper off of it, it makes no sense that the players can't do it. So I think everyone comes at it from that moral perspective. Yet at the same time, everyone acknowledges like, well, this is a mess. So at the same point, it's like, well, how do you fix it? And no one's really been able to determine it because even if we take Tyler and, and Neil's suggestion there, here's the reality. Eventually, someone's going to challenge it and win. And then you're just going to get right back to where you were. Like you're going to get someone that, gets the waiver denied. They're going to hire some attorney. They're going to him and haul. And essentially the waiver is going to go through. And effectively, it will just be right back to where we where we are. So, like, I understand people saying that that is a solution. I just think that it might be like a Band-Aid. Maybe it works for a year or two. But eventually, you're just going to get right back to where you were. Because, like, think about if you really... If you really go back and think, where did this all begin? This all began, like a lot of things, pretty reasonably. It began when finally enough people said, hey, the coaches can do whatever they want and they can leave whenever they want. Doesn't it make sense that a kid should be able to transfer without penalty? And everyone pretty much goes, yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Like, let's, yeah, one time, yeah, you get a, you get a do-over. Sure. Well, then it inevitably just became its free agency every single freaking year. And to me, it's like, that's how it's just going to, it's just going to revert to that. NIL and the portal coming in at the exact same time was the perfect storm, too. If you have a couple of years where it's one or the other, then it doesn't look exactly the same either. And the pandemic and then yep. the, the extra year, the extra yeah, right. year of eligibility, not, not understand, like not, no one have like, remember I used to make the joke. I want, I want the eligibility car wash instead of all the coaches going up to Bristol and do it. I, I wanted an eligibility car wash where we could figure out what year are you? Are you a junior? Are you a sophomore? Like, and I, I don't even like what the terms, like maybe we should even just distilled it down. You have X amount of years to play X. Like you have two to play two. You have two to play three or three to play two. Like, we needed that, but it, it 
felt like it was all three of those things at the same time. But I, th- I think that's kind of that's kind of the the big issue for me is that so far, every solution that I've heard is very easy to see how it doesn't actually solve anything, which eventually just brings me to the. It seems to me the only solution that's going to that's going to actually be effective is contracts. But I mean, I, I it seems to me we are a very long way away from that. So what Even does it look like option? in 24 months? Probably more of the same. I mean, to me, there's this big question of how different is the sport really? Other than I think maybe some some schools teams have changed roles because there is actually this argument. In terms of a. Forget the names and forget like the brands. It was actually a pretty entertaining year of sports like college football. We, you know. Yes, Georgia won in dominant fashion. But like we found out, like the Georgia Ohio State game was probably the de facto national title game. And that was like a hell of a game. We had a very interesting year of college football. Like we didn't know it was going to really happen week to week. Yeah, the brands at the at the NCAA tournament weren't great, but we had a pretty fun tournament for the most part in the women's tournament. Like, you know. Caitlin Clark was a massive story. South Carolina gets beat. Yeah, LSU wins, but like, yeah, I don't know, it was a pretty interesting. It was a pretty interesting year. I felt like it was. Felt like there were more women's basketball teams this year that could actually win a title than we've seen in a while. And to me, like, yeah, it was that, the first women's. It was the first women's season that was compelling in recent memory. Yeah, in, in a very long time for me. It, I mean, yes, the, the world, the College World Series ended the way that it did, but I mean, what the first. Up until the final series, what it was like 32 runs separated the whole, like the entire, like every game before. Like it was a pretty interesting year. It's just, it seems like the, the teams that have been elite are probably like we're switching that, but it seems like we're still kind of got at the same spot where there's going to be a handful of teams that are elite and are maxing out. There's going to be this really mushy middle class. And then there's going to be, Schools that can't compete. Is that really different? Yeah, it's, oh, it's what the Mike weirdest. Said, actually, oh, go ahead, Chase. Well, no, it was, just, it was playing off that was no, it, it's not different. And it's the weird part of this because I feel like, you know, we're so in the weeds with it every day that we're seeing, hey, guys, down the road, there's some issues here that are just not sustainable for all but like three or four programs. It's going to change. I think it decreases parity over time. And all these different changes and the, the like again, there's poison, but it's not up in the branches, and you're not seeing it. And tumors corners not tumors corners not coming down today, because it is. It, it's weird. I go, you know, we're banging the drum of hey, college sports is in trouble. I think it's starting a, a decline in some ways. I do believe that. But yeah, as you played off of, and I, I heard a YouTube clip yesterday of Michael Borky on Sports Talk Mississippi talking about this. You probably had maybe the most compelling all around year in sports from a fun standpoint. And you've got those underdogs. TCU played for the national title. Wake Forest and Oral Roberts were in the College World Series. Wake Forest was potentially the best team in the country throughout their whole regular season. Florida Atlantic was in the Final Four. I mean, the act, from a straight numbers standpoint, the lesser programs had the best year they've had in recent memory. And yet we're going, no, 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 only the big dogs are going to beat the hell out of everybody. Yeah, and I think that the other thing that complicates it is, if you if we want to use your your – poison analogy 
we we believe that it is poisoned and that eventually this is going there's going to be consequences but it's kind of tough to prove you know what i mean like it's it's like i would bet on us being right but at the same time like i i don't think it's definitive and the other thing that i keep looking at is the biggest reason why i feel like it's in jeopardy is i sense more apathy amongst more people that are inclined to like and want to watch college sports than ever before. And to me, that's a problem because I don't know. I I think when you look at how widespread college attendance is, attending college is not something special anymore. So I don't think you're going to have this romantic nature of, I love my school, whatnot. I think it's going to be just more transactional. And I'm not even here like, from a moral perspective, judging that. I just think that that's where it's headed. And so the more and more, like, I think that college sports is just going to have a brand identity because everyone looks at this and goes, well, it's professional sports, but they won't call themselves professional sports. They're making the, the, the calendar impossible to follow. And so then eventually all it becomes is it's just a game day event. And maybe that's sustainable forever. But I don't know, man, like that, that, that to me feels like that's the danger that they have is that, you know, to, to get back to Neil's original point of like, how do you preview? I don't know, because like, to me, I think one of the byproducts of everything that has happened is it's made the sport impossible to follow other than game day. It's, and now you're just going to be judged. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's probably our dream or at least our dream in 2013. It's a scoreboard business. Like literally that's what it is. Like you're completely it's a it's a micro macro thing. So if I'm just the average sports fan that wants to turn on the game at night and watch a really compelling compelling fun game with a bunch of stars. Okay, you you, you get that tenfold. It's that you care less about your team. Yes. Because you don't know the players. You don't want to give that the money hasn't mattered. I mean all these different things in so many different ways from an individual standpoint about your team. That's why I worry about our business. That's why I worry about all these different things is the micro thing. On the macro thing, the casual fans just going, ah, whatever. I didn't, I didn't know who was on Washington's team or LSU's team or whoever anyway. Just give me a game and something to watch while I'm having a beer and eating my steak on a TV tray. I'm all good. But it's on the micro thing of if you're not in one of these programs that's just dominating this thing, then I care less than ever before. I'm having a hard time getting up the enthusiasm to give money to this and give money to that and do this and do all these things, which then breaks down that micro product and that local product. And when that happens more and more and more, what does that do to the macro? And I don't think we know the answer to that. But yeah, no, the the, the casual fan had a hell of a year. The local fan is looking at it and going, God, why am I doing this? And maybe... Go go ahead. So the other other thing that I think complicates it is we're also in this weird transition, like what we we're talking about with the American and basketball and that we know where this is headed. We know that this is going to be Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC. We know this is going to be UCLA and USC in the Big Ten. And we're trying to make assertions based on incomplete data. We have not seen like what that product's going to be. We don't, we don't know. And, and maybe in the end, like it just, it ends up becoming a lot of these solutions are going to be 
the SEC and the Big Ten deciding, you know, getting back to the AFC, NFC metaphor, like they're going to end up dictating a lot of what college sports is. And then everyone's just kind of going to fall in suit to try to compete to a certain degree. But because we're in this weird transition period and no one seems to have ideas or solutions, that makes it even more complicated to evaluate. But at the same time, like the thing that concerns me is why would when I've been watching this my entire life and I've very rarely can I think of college decision makers doing something I'm like, that was a hell of an idea. Like that was something that they were proactive on and 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 they really did that well. Why all of a sudden am I going to say that these people are going to get it right? That's that's kind of where I struggle. I just look forward to I'll 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 use Drinkwitz. We'll let him be the guinea pig here. I look forward to the coach who blames the fans for not paying more money for NIL after a loss. I just, I, it's, it's going to be in the fans reactions. You're making $7 million dude. figure it out. I mean, as they're trying to figure out how the hell, how the hell to pay the grocery bill this, this month. And you want me, and you want me to give you more money. I, I wow. mean, it's just the, the acrimony that is coming in that way is it's frankly going to be fairly rich. And any of us who have the, the balls, Frankly, when a coach says that to raise his hand and say, are you really blaming this on fans not giving enough to a collective? Is that is that really is are, are, is that really the the, the island you're going to you're going to the hill you're going to die on here? I, anybody who would ask that question, the answer to that would be fascinating because the coach would either go, well, yeah, it's exactly what I'm saying. Or, well, that's not what I'm saying, but it, it just you would you would actually start to get somewhere with with the discourse on on where it's going, because at some point when a coach says that you're like, OK, so but if so, if you can't get that much more money. You can't compete. Is that what you're saying? You're you're now admitting that you're not in a high enough classification to compete. If Drinkwitz were to say that, and you were to say, "Is that what you're saying?" and he goes, "Well, yeah, basically." Okay. Yeah. Well, you just told your fan base it's hopeless. Because you well, either then, say yes or you go, "Ah, it sucks." I'm just saying it sucks. Okay. Well, it sucks. But what are you going to do about it? Where's like where, where's that where's that go? Well, the other problem is, and I get that it had probably already that this trend had already like started. And, but like, if we tack on in addition to the pandemic with the eligibility, the the number of people in the portal, like the amount of players that were all of a sudden available with extra eligibility, the transfer portal, and then the, the waiver. I also think you have to throw in the, the increased rate in which college coaches salaries went up. Like that didn't help either because in the end, when you, when you get somebody that's making $10 million a year saying the reason why we're not winning is you guys aren't giving us enough, enough money to go get players. That's that argument's always just going to fall hollow. Yeah. A guy making 10 million says it's, it's y'all essentially it's your fault. You didn't give enough money to the guy that's making a hundred thousand. Correct. He looks at you and goes, okay, well, how much did, I mean, it's a fair question, actually. Well, coach, how much did you give to the collective? You make $8 million. Well, I mean, that's kind of the other thing. It's like, well, you know, legally, I like they get to hide behind. Well, I can't do that. Well, you could have taken, I don't know, how about $7 million 
this year, and that would have freed up $3 million for the, the, the foundation and the collective. But I think the other bigger problem is, inevitably, it all comes back to the same question. Essentially, what we're complaining about is a fundamental denial that this is professional sports. Because in the end, what's determining rosters more than anything is pay for play. But nobody has a contract. Like, I just I can't think of any other sport where you get paid to do it. And you're not under some form of obligation. I mean, that's kind of where and on top of that, you have free agency every year. I mean, honestly, Neil. This is like LeBron's wet dream, right? Being a free agent every single year. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and you get some of that in professional sports, but let's face it, it's the fringe part of the roster at the end of someone's career. Maybe they're sure. hunting, a, hunting a ring or they, they want to go play with a buddy or whatever the case may be. There's no but, timeline in pro sports. In college sports, you have five seasons to play four seasons. That's it. So you can't just like it. And that's the other part, too, that like nobody talks about is that in – Pro sports, you go until you're done. Here, it is a clear, finite amount of time in this thing. So, well, then the other thing is like, okay, like let's say, let's say you do do contracts and you know you implement some sort of salary cap. Does anyone have the? Does anyone believe that if if college were to implement a salary cap, there's going to be some type of organization to prevent under the table? Like in the end, of course not. It's really tough on the NFL to give under the table money because the league's going to come down on you and you know, like that's destroyed. Like correct. Yes. Like you, you will, you will pay the price in college. Like, okay, let's say you implement a salary cap. Does anyone believe that that's going to be a hard cap that's enforceable? Cause I sure don't No, it's, and, all and, it's impossible. And again, and then, I don't, I don't know how you even, I don't, I don't know how you justify how you would even legally justify a salary cap because in the NFL, NFL, NBA, whatever, all of that stuff is collectively bargained between a labor, a labor organization and, and, um, and management ownership. Well, like, and that's kind of the other thing. It's like on one level, I would go to all these college administrators. You guys are being really dumb. You can afford better attorneys. You should just sit there and acknowledge that this is going to happen. Does could you imagine what that negotiation would look like between a college players union when you've got that many kids that widespread? There's going to be no organization like you'll go and you'll dominate that collective bargaining agreement. You'll win it like you'll it'll be advantageous to you. It'll give you some control. But like they're just, you know, they're just they're so they're so avoidant. They have such an avoidance of something that they can't comprehend because they don't have any experience with it like they just won't go down that path but it's like if you really well, think about it in fairness to them though the whole title nine thing would kick in at that point i mean you, you collectively bargain or you collect well, if they become employees like this has always been my deal nobody bitches about nobody bitches that you know some chemistry professor that that publishes every three months makes more money for a university than the humanities like adjunct like if a certain point, if you acknowledge and you make them and you pay them, like, can't you kind of pay them what you want? Because at that point, they're no longer they're outside of that system. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate 
isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're too smart for me, Jeffrey. I can't figure it out. I don't know. No, I'm I'm very dumb, but like I I also don't I don't think about things that matter. I, uh, you know what I mean? I I only think about these things, and so I you know. But I mean, that's the other thing, guys. Are we gonna have a college football trade deadline? Because that's the like we were talking about this on the show this week. If you did actually, like, if you went down this path, like let's say you had a salary cap, eventually. You're gonna have to get under that cap, so you're gonna have to start moving some. Gonna start moving some contracts. Like, can you literally just say, "Listen, we appreciate all you've done for us, James, but we think Georgia Tech's a hell of a school for you, and we we know we know that you're a PE major." Um, but <laughs> let me tell you what: I don't know if you're familiar with what a fantastic engineering program they have. I can't wait for deferred money when a college is paying John Smith. Who's going to get the Bobby Bonilla? Like, who's yeah, going to be exactly. the kid that took? Who's the kid that that took a hundred grand for thirty years? <laughs> <laughs> LSU has traded John Smith to Georgia Correct. Tech for cash considerations. Yes, player to be named yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a player to be named later, and uh, you know, uh, maybe maybe Georgia Tech has to kick into the NIL collective. A yeah. twenty a twenty thirty one recruit. Yeah, some some twelve year old out there. Yeah, I I mean I don't know I I don't know I I was laughing at it. I almost didn't post it on the board because Ole Miss fans hate him and 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 stuff. But like Dave Van Horn was pretty honest in his press gathering on Tuesday about all of it. He's like, yeah, LSU won. It's why they won. They were really good. We 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 tried to get all those guys. We tried really hard. And then he goes, you know, we're we're doing more of it. And then he just goes, I don't know where it's going. And he's, he's more than right. He's, he's exactly. No one, no one knows where it's going. It's like here and chase is covering all the transfer portal stuff with baseball. There's just using our board as the, the as the, the gauge and a couple of conversations I've had, there's, there's a, a kind of frustration that it hasn't been more ex- 
explosive, if you will. Like, hey, Ole Miss got this guy and this guy and this guy. Even though I think Ole Miss has done okay in the portal, it it the the price tags on baseball players. If the price tags on baseball players are where they are right now, if 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 what I'm hearing is even remotely true. And the price tag on elite basketball players is what I believe it to be. Dude, it I I don't I don't know how you keep hitting up donors year over year and expect it if if you don't produce big time results. I just don't I, that's where I think it all I go back to there's going to be a market correction. And I, I, every time I talk through it in my own mind, I think there's going to be a market correction unless, and this would be good news for all of us, unless we are really underestimating just how important it is to wealthy people for their teams to be good. Nah, well, I don't know, because I guess this is where this is where I come down. There will probably like, I don't know if it's going to be something as simple as black and white. Like, There's either a market correction or there's not. I think there's going to be an element of a market correction. I, I, I think that will, I think that will certainly play a part. But where I think this is just headed is going back to like I think it's officially just a scoreboard business. Like you're just going to start getting into these situations where you know, after 18 months, coach isn't getting it done, and you just paid what you think was top dollar for a roster. It's just going to be like professional sports. They're just going to move on. Like, think about how shorter the leash is in the NFL than it is in college. And, like, that's, I, I just think that's where it's headed, where it's going to be coaches are going to, coaches are going to be like the trigger is going to be e- even quicker, I think, is, is where this is headed. I do think coaches in this new era better be super careful to keep their stuff straight, if you will. Because if you have an opportunity to fire a coach with cause, who's not getting one hundred percent, well, that was going to be that's his a, ass. Yeah, the absolutely. other, the, the other, by, by, the, yeah, the other byproduct, in my opinion, was going to be, uh, in the end, like, okay, schools are going to be quicker to move on, but also they're going to be quicker to try to find reasons to fire you with cause. Yeah, because you can't do the eight nine million dollar buyout, go hire a new coach, and then still. Hit up the donors. Hey, we got to buy the 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 payroll for for the baseball team this year's gone up. At some point, people push back and go, "You're not winning. What is all this money going to? You're not winning." No, it's like on a certain level. I think it was probably pretty pretty good that Mike got his title last year, because I guess where I would kind of bookend it and bottom line it. I don't think it was any coincidence that LSU won a national title in women's basketball and baseball this year. I think those are probably two sports that you can buy titles of. 100%. Jeffrey, good luck today. It's all to you. All again. right, boys, y'all be good. You too. Jeffrey Wright joining us there on the My Perfect Franchise hotline. We, uh, we had a perfect game last night. Did you watch a pitch of it? Or was it completely while we were sleeping? Uh, I did not know until this morning. I did not see a pitch. I don't think I even saw a notification. I did not turn my television on yesterday, right. so I didn't see. I didn't see anything. Um, I think what happened was I I looked at the score at some point 
and it was five nothing Phillies, and I was like, okay, I'm done. And I never, I never turned anything on, so I didn't, I didn't see it. Uh, and I'm guessing, due to the location of the game, that I was far from alone in people that did not see it. Yes, Yankees knocking off uh, Oakland eleven nothing in the uh, perfect game. Domingo Germain last night, uh, twenty seven straight, twenty fourth perfect game in MLB history. 99 pitches, 72 strikes, 9 Ks. Not not a bad day right there. That's a pretty good stat line for uh for for, for, for the Yankee hurler. No, that's quite a, efficient. A start after he uh, allowed 10 runs and 3.1 against the Mariners 5 days ago. So, you never know. Oakland Oakland is historically bad. Uh if you've watched them at all this year and I haven't watched them much. I've probably seen I actually watched them give the Braves fits about a month and a half ago. Um, Which is just – It's baseball. Fans get mad when you say this, but it's baseball. It happens. <laughs> it's a weird sport. But they're not – but by and by, over the course of 162 games, Oakland is going to end up being historically bad. They're, they're, they're a, it, It's disgraceful where that franchise is. And I, Billy Bean is so overrated. I know we're on this topic all the time, but he's just so he overrated. Is. And and with that owner, they've wanted out. They're getting out. They're getting out. The weird thing is that they're going to a market that a lot of people in baseball think is is not all that much more sustainable than Oakland is for baseball. Well, that's very true. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of people in baseball circles that are just befuddled frankly that this move isn't going to charlotte or nashville two markets that baseball people believe would thrive speaking of uh the braves i think they're 21 and four this month i think that's right i think they're 21 and four i know they've won 14 in their last 15 i think it's 21 and four on the month um ronald acuna jr is the best player in the national league he's just dominating the MVP race in the National League, if he just is average from here on out, is over. Frankly, the MVP races are over. Uh, he's going to win it. Otani's going to win it. Yeah, that's kind of it. But Acuna's having just a magnificent season. And, and that team is its as flawless as a team can be in modern Major League Baseball. If they, they were in the same division, the Rays and Braves would be tied. By the way, yeah, that'd be a hell of a pennant race the rest of the way, wouldn't it? It'd be um, fun. It'd be like that old one when the Braves and the Giants were in the same division. That's right. Both, it was like 102 you know, wins or whatever it yeah. was. Won it? Kind of like in 2015 in the NL Central when the Cubs won 97 games and finished third. Oh God. Yep. That has to mean there was some National League teams though that were dogs at the bottom. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah and Atlanta, Atlanta benefits from that. I mean, there's some there's some bad National League teams. Yeah. Uh, but you know that that division's kind of interesting because Miami's pretty good. Good. They they're they're quietly good. Uh, the Mets are loudly bad, and their owner hinted at a sell off at the deadline yesterday. Yeah. Phillies, the Phillies are good and they're hot right now. They the have to be really frustrated. I think Philly is 17 and four in its last 21 games and has gained no ground. <laughs> you tell a team, hey, you're going to go 17 and four in your next 21. They're like, hey, we're back in this bitch. 
Uh, so no, you're and, 11 and, out, actually. Yeah, but you know, but they're with the expanded playoff, they they've got a real shot to get a wild card spot. That it's a, but yeah, there's but the Nationals are horrible and they, they intend to be horrible at this point. Um yeah, the Marlins are 47 and 34. I mean, having a hell of a year and they're six and a half back, and nobody thinks they are going to challenge the Braves at all the rest of the way. No, but they could be a nightmare for somebody in one of those three game series. They they mm-hmm. they're really athletic, they hit a lot of arms. They're good. The Orioles are five and a half back of the uh, Rays. Kind of same situation there. And the Orioles are hinting at being buyers at the uh, the deadline. And you never the know. The National League wild card race is actually pretty compelling because you've got uh, the Marlins right now two up, the Giants a half up, and the Dodgers in with the Phillies two back and the Brewers two and a half back. So, I mean, even here, we're sitting here June 29th. I get that. But National League wild card, pretty compelling. As is that final spot, or two of the final spots in the American League between the Yankees, the Jays, the Astros, and the Angels. Two of those the two questions in. in the The two questions in the National League Central that are really interesting is if you're Cincinnati and your fans are finally engaged, you've given them a product to be excited about. You've got all these young prospects. It's really not time to push the lever, but do you push the lever to go for it? To go get a big arm to get, and that's what they would have to go. They would. They would I'm not pushing levers unless I think I can win the pennant. That is my rule. I do not push a lever to win a division ever. And I get that your well, buddy you know, Dan Jennings just, would go just get in the tournament. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I'm not mortgaging my future to just get in when I feel like there's one or two powers that I still would have to get by to win the pennant. What would be interesting in Cincinnati is that you would look back at this last, well, two series, the way they played the Braves. And I'm looking to see what they did last night against Baltimore. Are they beaten Baltimore two in a row? The way they've played the Braves, the way they've played the Orioles, I think you could sit in the, in the, in the room and go, we might be good enough to win the pennant. Okay. Well, I mean, they played so. the sure. they played sure. the Braves tooth and nail. I mean, they were they, they were they were right there with them. Could have easily won every game in that series. If you're the Braves, would you rather see the Diamondbacks or the Reds in a series? The Reds. Okay. Arizona's good. Yeah. Forty-eight and thirty-three. By the way, they just get kind of lost because of the Braves. The rookie for uh, Corbin Carroll for for Arizona, he's a stud. They're 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 legit. Giants are pretty good. Giants are really good. Giants have great management, and they're a we sleeper. Went, they're a sleeper in this Otani thing. We went into the year going, "Oh my God, the Mets and the Padres, and both those teams suck." Yeah, the San Mets Diego's are, mediocre. New York sucks. Mets are horrible. And the Padres have have basically sold off their farm system to to get to this place. Yeah, Padres are six under. They're not going anywhere. 37 of 43, 10 and a half back in the division and seven and a half back in the wild card. I was about to say, they're even out of the wild card. It's over. The other team in the National League Central that's interesting that has a decision to make is Milwaukee. They're in the race. They've got some expiring contracts. 
they're not they they're not good enough to win in the postseason. Unlike Cincinnati, they're just not explosive enough. I'm curious to see whether they go screw it. I mean, if I'm in if I'm in ownership in Milwaukee, I actually wouldn't mind a bad a bad July where I could sell. Yes. No, I think I agree with you there. Because they're they're kind of what I'm talking about. That's a team where I don't look up and go, oh yeah, they're about to go run through the Braves and the Diamondbacks and go to the World Series and do this. It just doesn't look like it. It looks like they are a product of their division as much as anything else right now. This is a this is a June 29th conversation or take. And we talked about maybe a month ago. I think I asked you, did I did did you believe? I don't remember if I said soccer, MLS, or what I said, but whatever, however you want to phrase it bigger than hockey um, in the U.S. in five, ten years, whatever whatever time limit you want to put on that. And my, my point where hockey's bigger, obviously, is because they're on ESPN for the Stanley Cup Finals. Their playoff system's much easier to understand than American soccer, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I saw this last night. Drafts last night, obviously, huge news all around hockey with Connor Bedard going to uh, the Blackhawks. I did see, however, I think Darren Ravel had it, one of his actual positive tweets that was not stupid, um, that he's not playing in their first games. His debut is like on the road or something. I don't know. Something was weird there. Maybe like the schedule makers knew that they could have put him in home and didn't. I don't know. There was some like weird thing with where Bedard wasn't going to be in the United Center uh, for, is it so with the United Center? Um, yeah. For, uh, for, a, for a while or something there. Anyway, but I saw this and I, I've got a point here. Um, the most interesting pick of the night, the Athletics said, was Matvey Mikoff. And if I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize. I didn't know that person existed until about three hours ago. Um, to the Flyers at number seven. He's under contract with a Russian team until 2025-26. They think potentially he could come over earlier and earlier, but they say he's good enough. They can wait for him, and they're going to take him, and he's fascinating, even though he's potentially not eligible for two or three years or whatever that is. We don't know that in American sports. It's one reason why hockey suffers in addition to just being hockey, and it's not what we're necessarily accustomed to, is these contracts and this guy owns this guy and this stuff. But it's very much European soccer in a way, or at least some semblance of that you can get there as a first cousin of it. EPL's rise in the American sports landscape, in an odd way, does that actually help hockey? Because it gives us more something to understand or is it simply it's just going to continue to overtake hockey? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think the EPL's rise in American sports is, I think it's tied to just how many young people play soccer. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just think it's that. It It's, I mean, the NBA will have a draft and stash here and there. You'll draft a European guy in the second round and and just to get his rights and you stash him. But he ain't um, going seventh overall. No, 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 no. He, he's it's maybe late first round, but usually usually it's a second round pick. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about that. I think hockey's problem, for the most part, is that people like you and me have never played. Yeah, of course. You know, we we just. That's why when it goes to a city and people go see it in person, they become like, giant wow. fans. Because yeah. frankly, in person, it, it might be the most entertaining sport. It is the best spectator sport, and I'm not sure it's close. I mean, it, and, and once you get to understand it, and you get to understand line shifts and all the strategy and stuff. It's, it's one of those cool sports that you can go and not know anything about it and just watch it and have a good time. 
or you can go and start educating yourself on it and it becomes fascinating. But you don't need to know offsides to enjoy hockey. No, you don't have to know anything. Oh, they're trying or to icing, it, sorry, not offsides. They're trying to put it in that net and they're trying to put it in that net. And I'm just gonna watch. And they're big guys and they crash into each other and they're super fast and the puck <laughs> moves really fast and it's comfortable inside the arena and you can yeah. go get a beer and and you're good, or you can really get into it. Baseball's kind of that way. I think it's one of the beauties of baseball. You can watch baseball two completely different ways. You can watch baseball, yeah. just, man. I'm just sitting here chilling. I'm, I don't. What did he throw? I don't. I don't know what he threw. Or you can watch it and oh, that's a slider, and look at the movement on that. And yeah, what's he going to do here? What's this move? Blah 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 blah. Yeah, it's what it's. I, I think it's one of the beauties it's of what baseball. the clock hurts. You don't have time to have the internal discussion. Sure, sure. Um, but I think soccer's growth is, and it's why. I, <laughs> It, it, it's it's why if you were running a business, if college athletics were a business, the sport you would be starting to prepare for is men's soccer. That's the if you were running a business, it's it's that, so, and I don't I'm not making a pun. It's so foreign to me from the standpoint of. Do I believe that it's possible for men's soccer in America at a college level to put 40,000 people in a stadium for a game? Do I think that's even feasible in the next two no. decades? And my answer no. is no. No. But you might be able to put five or six. Yeah. I'm thinking. I mean, I just... What I know is that, and I see it a lot, is that the sport's getting better and better and better. And they're like, there's a kid up in Hernando, it's 15 and a half, that's playing for that Memphis 901 team, whatever it's called. I mean, there's, and all these kids that play, and there are lots of kids that play. It's that there's more and more, it's becoming a, I think it's going to have a dramatic impact on high school football. I think two things are impacting high school football. Year-round baseball and the growth of soccer. Well, I mean, look. I mean, take culture, family status, everything out of it. Just in a very – I mean, you played football. In a very generic, general term, if it's 1997, Carson's a pretty damn good outside linebacker or safety on a high school football team today. Yeah, no question. I mean, he's he's. Uh, I mean, he's talked about that. Like, you know, he 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 didn't never play in large part because we never encouraged it, and then he got into soccer and really liked it. But I go out to his games. I watched his team against Lafayette the other night in a scrimmage, and on that field there were. I don't know, 20 kids who a generation ago would have played football. Mm -hmm. And they don't because soccer is a year-round sport. And if you go to a school like Oxford, and there are a lot of schools like Oxford, and you look at the baseball program at Oxford and the investment that's been put into the baseball program at Oxford, there are a lot of kids that play year-round baseball who one generation ago would have played football too. Mm-hmm. And typically in baseball, those are kids that come from means. It's expensive to play baseball year-round. 
a lot of travel. There's a lot going on. Well, where do you think their parents' money is going to go? I don't want to. I, I don't want to give money to the football program. I want to give money to the soccer program. That's where my kid is. Mm-hmm. Before that, I wanted to give money to dance because that's where my kid was. Yeah. Well, I'm 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 a representative of the majority here. If you you know that I I just I, I think that's one of the problems, one of the many problems for football down the road is. I think at the grassroots level, it's not as healthy as some people think maybe it is. It's why they it's it's the reason why the smart people absolutely said, hey, we have got to make the sport at least look safer, appear safer. Which is why it's completely annoying with fans, but you get it when they're overprotected and you're like, oh my God, like this is sure. But I totally understand it. Totally get it. Totally get it. I mean, you know, you, you, you want to make the sport look safer so that more parents let the kids play. Should MLS have a relegation system? I don't think so. Okay. Um, you think it needs to look like American sports? I, I just don't know. I, I can tell you that Carson and his friends were over here the other day, and they were having a conversation about. They were talking about the NBA and then somehow it shifted to MLS. And they all said the thing that they don't like about MLS is that there is no relegation system that you need, that that's one of the things they love about the English premier league, for example, is that, I mean, you're fighting to survive. You don't, you don't get to tank, you know, here you, in the NBA, you might tank for the draft there. If you tank, you're out of the league and you, 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 you don't, you know, you're, and you're playing at the top to get into the champions league or the, you know, the Europe league, whatever it's called. But all that stuff is, you know, that league's really attractive. It's attractive to young people because now they can see it. They can watch it. They can stream it. They can see all of those guys and those European players are amazing. I mean, when you watch, there's a doubleheader coming to uh, Atlanta in about four weeks. It's, Two English Premier League games, basically preseason games. They're playing in Atlanta. I probably not going because I really can't afford to right now. But the tickets that are going in Atlanta at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium are there aren't a whole lot of tickets left, and they're expensive. It's like yeah, Chelsea, I don't, I don't doubt Chelsea and Man U, I think, or Man City. I can't remember who. And then there's another one. There's another game. So it's a doubleheader of of English Premier League soccer. I think if you had thrown that in Atlanta a generation ago, it would have been crickets. No, sure. I mean, Atlanta United's been popular. Yeah, sure. You know, now people follow it. You can, with you can. It's because you get two ways to follow it. Because you get you enjoy the gameplay and you want to learn about the gameplay, and it's a morning thing, which is kind of neat and all that kind of stuff. I, I I get it. Well, that's great. But you have also people, including I've got some buddies, who they don't really know anything about soccer. They just enjoy picking a team and following the drama of relegation. Just give me the circus around it and all that stuff. I don't really know who the players are. I don't really need to watch it on Saturday morning, but I'm a Chelsea or a Tottenham fan or I'm whatever just because I like the table and the way that works and watching that kind of thing. That's Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, I – I'll freely admit to people one of one of the reasons I don't watch college game day hardly ever is that I'm usually on Saturday mornings 
I'll watch English Premier League. It's kind of enjoy it. It's it's fun. I'd rather watch that than just the story after story. The the of what I'm I think. Aldi making you cry. Yeah, all that stuff. I mean, it's got to be pretty. Com- they've got to be pretty compelling to get me over there. And there's a reason. Hey, look, the Athletic cut a lot of things. They didn't cut English Premier League coverage. No, cut a lot of baseball. Cut a lot of baseball. Yeah. Cut some no, NFL. I get, not I get not much it. NFL, but yeah, it's it's a look. It's a it's a growing sport. People here. There's, and there's two reasons when you touched on it. One is because sometimes the diehard soccer people are the most obnoxious people on earth. And and two, a lot of people fight it because they think it's ah, it's not an American sport. It it is now. And and the there's some big tournament coming in 2025, and then the World Cup's coming in 2026. And I I, I think that's going to be a game changer. I really do. Because the American team's actually decent bordering on getting competitive and i just I, I think it's i think it's really great and with with females it's it's already a major sport now there's more and more girls who play and they watch it now and they know who the european players are and it just it's mm-hmm. it's a legitimate sport from a from a a network standpoint there's a reason that networks are starting to show more and more of it and there's a lot of people that think Apple was genius to do the deal they did with MLS. Yeah. Ted Lasso helped. Sure. Ted Lasso helped a ton. At least brought people into the understanding to some extent. There's no doubt about that. And the the past World Cup, even though the, the times were weird and stuff, the, the, the play was so good and the final was so compelling that a lot of people got into it. I mean, I... We have a mutual friend who texted me during the World Cup going, all right, what team should I pick? I need to pick a team. This is really good. You know, there was a lot of that. I mean, I remember the final that everybody talks about, you know, maybe greatest soccer game ever, whatever you want to call it. And I don't know that I necessarily cared, but I went, hey, I need to have this on and watch this. I feel like it's critical or important for me just as a sports fan and as a pop culture, whatever. I should watch this. And yeah, you get into it and you're like, wow, okay, pretty entertaining. Good stuff. Like, it's great. Oh, it was, it was high level soccer. I mean, was- I, mean I kind of, I guess the point in all this is I sort of wonder, and because it changes, it changes as you get older, it changes for a lot of reasons. It changes what's going on in present day, what sports I really pay attention to in 10 years. And for some reason, I've kind of thought about that a lot and went, okay, where am I actually investing emotionally into sports or anywhere else? What am I doing? What does that look like? Because I'm trying to not catch myself not following much of anything. I can't do that. I, I, I got to get into something to some degree. Yeah. I, I've almost caught myself getting out of it. I'm like, no, 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 no. We can't just watch golf every day. That's not – need some team sports here, guys. Because when I found myself pulling out – not pulling out of the Saints. That's not the right word. But not letting it dictate my Sundays the way it has in the past. It just sort of went, okay, what are you What are you interested in? What do you like here? What, what What's what's – What's on the table? And I don't know. It's 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 fascinating as I sort of go through it, see what's what the landscape looks like in five, ten years. Or you watch uh, more if you're engaged, right? You watch oh, sure. more if you're engaged. I mean, you know, if I had not kind of adopted the Thunder back in 2010 the way that I did, I don't know that I would watch as much NBA as I watch today. But now I watch a ton of NBA, even when it's not the Thunder. Uh, even like last 
not this past season, but the one before that where the Thunder were not competitive. I still watched a lot of the Thunder because I knew the draft was coming up. Uh, the NBA does a really good job of, of draft hype for mm-hmm. months, months, as much like the NFL does. Um, MLB is not as good at it. It's a mistake on their part. They need to do more college baseball and amateur baseball coverage to, to promote the prospects, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, basket NFL and NBA are both excellent at that. Um, but you know, I mean, I kind of adopted the Bengals a couple of years ago for the hell of it. And it, it has absolutely enhanced my knowledge of NFL. If I didn't have a team, I don't know how much I'd watch. I mean, you know, I mean, but now I'm, on Sundays, because I'm like you, I'm like, I need to watch this. We got, we're, we're going to talk about it. I, I watch, we watch a lot of college games because we have to. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super interested. I will say this. I am super interested in the 2024 college football season, almost to the point that I'm not, I'm, I mean, I'm interested in the one coming up. But if I'm honest, I'm far more interested in the one in 2024 because it's totally different landscape and maybe it kind of rejuvenates it. And maybe things, everybody gets like, ooh, this, because right now it just kind of feels like everyone's kind of like walking on eggshells. Like, what's, what does this look like? What's it going to be? And I don't mean the regular fan. I mean the people in our industry. People are kind of like a little worried. Like, you talk to people, there's a lot of trepidation on, on people's parts who cover college sports for a living. People are concerned. Um, maybe 2024 rejuvenates a lot of fan interest and gets people jacked back up when Oklahoma comes here, for example. I mean, it's going to feel new and fresh and all of that stuff. So maybe, and maybe the 12 team playoff really invigorates the sport a little bit. Because if we're honest, outside of some Ole Miss fans and some Texas Tech fans, for example, nobody cared about the Texas Bowl. Yeah, sure. And a generation ago, bowls were big, no matter what bowl game it was. It was a big deal to go to a bowl. And now it's not a big deal to go to a bowl. There's a playoff, and only four teams go to the playoffs, and it seems like it's the same damn four teams every time. So maybe the 12-team playoff will rejuvenate the hell out of it. Yeah, I know a lot of college football fans that almost see 2023 as just throwaway season because they're so excited about 24. Of just let's get on with it. Let's get through this and, and whatnot and see where it comes in uh, in 24. So appreciate Jeffrey for uh, his time today. We'll let you know from a schedule standpoint, we're going to take some time off uh, another show for you this week. Um, before we do that, Hanary's guys tomorrow sometime will not be a tonight uh, load on YouTube and in podcast form on that, but sometime tomorrow on that, I'll let you know on the message board and social media when I'm completely aware of time frame for uh, that episode. And then again, we'll uh, let you know moving forward to what's going on. So appreciate Jeffrey for his time and we will talk to you again very soon.